<laughs> the word tells us in 1 Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. I hope you are encouraged as I was when I first saw the length of that list that illustrates, and I know just a portion, many of you serve in ministries both inside and outside the walls of the church, and you didn't fill on your little card. Um, we do have some remedial uh, education in following rules uh, for you, but we're thankful for what you do, even if your name wasn't on, the, on this uh, PowerPoint. We just wanted to celebrate this morning, and we, over the last couple of weeks, had turned in those cards, just to celebrate together. Is that not awesome? Did you see how many both inside and outside the walls of the church. We should celebrate. Amen. I was so encouraged to, to learn about ministry happening that I had no knowledge of at all. Uh, and so be encouraged. And so thank you for what you're doing. As we have been talking over the last few weeks about building the wall. Building uh, the wall that God has a vision for us to build uh, together. Now, next Sunday, as we said, uh, as uh, Pastor Gordon mentioned for us, uh, we do start our three-service format. So I encourage you to pray about who you could bring with you. Um, we sent these out to about 10,000 people in the surrounding area. If Many of you probably got these if you live right around the church, about 10,000 of them. We've included two for you to use personally uh, to invite someone. So please pray about that. And pray about who you could bring with you, either 9, 10, or 11, 15, uh, next Sunday. And it'd be awesome uh, if we really gave that parking lot ministry something to do out there, wouldn't it? Yeah. So uh, let's, uh, let's work together to make that happen. Uh, well, take your Bible, if you would, and let's uh, turn with me, if you would, to Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah, the sixth chapter, we're going to start out, and then we're going to look over at the fourth chapter. Again, there's Bibles in your pews. I encourage you to bring your Bible with you uh, on, on Sunday mornings as we, as we look at God's Word together. How many of you ladies know that some big changes can happen in a nine-month period of time? <laughs> Amen? A lot of change can happen in nine months. Nine months has transpired since the time that Nehemiah got this poke on the shoulder from God of saying to him, hey, here's what's going on in a place that I love, Jerusalem. And would you consider responding to this vision that I have for you and your life and going to this foreign land and doing a tremendous new work for me? Nehemiah responds, and it's nine months from the time that, that God, God taps him on the shoulder to the time that we see here in the sixth chapter of this, of, this, uh, of, this, of, this, of this book of Nehemiah. And God helped Nehemiah, as we look at this passage, God helped Nehemiah over the course of these nine months to what he started, he helped him to finish. And this morning we want to talk about finishing strong. And there is absolutely, anytime we look at, look at Scripture, there is something in the, God's Word that is practical for our lives. This morning, as we think about finishing strong, this is a word that's here uh, through this, this passage that is absolutely applicable to every area of life. Think about it. Those of you who, I know that as we look, look around this room, 
the realization is that 50% of marriages in our country, and that's both inside and outside the church even, end in divorce. So for some of you, the realization is as you sit here today, you need some help so that you can survive and you can make it so that your marriage can finish strong what it started however many years ago that was. You need some help. For those of you maybe who are young people or teenagers, you maybe made a decision for Jesus Christ at some point, maybe it was at camp or maybe it was in junior high, now you're in high school, maybe it was in grade school, now you're in middle school, and you need some help today from God to finish what God has started in your life strong. You need some help. You, you're kind of struggling with that. Some of you have financial issues. Some of you have, have other issues going on. Maybe it's physical. Whatever it is, this morning as we look at God's Word, which again is applicable to every area of life, we need to get some help to finish what God has started strong. Especially when we think about, not just individual, but we think about corporately. Does God not have some awesome things in store for us? A hundred years ago, almost, a hundred years ago next week, a hundred years ago next week, we will celebrate 100 years of ministry. And there was a group of people a hundred years ago that had a vision that God tapped them on the shoulder and God had a vision for them to impact a community and also a world. Now, is that vision dead? Is the, absolutely not. It's not dead. It's just begun. And so... How can we, in our generation, finish strong what began a hundred years ago? We can get some help today as we look at this, as we look at this passage. And let's read it together. Again, the sixth chapter, starting with the 15th, just the 15th and 16th verse together. So the wall was completed on the 25th year in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Fifty-two days after starting, in the process of a nine-month period, this wall is completed. They finish what happened. Seven and a half or so weeks. It, we see the result of the completion. Look at verses 15 and 16 again. It says that the surrounding nations were afraid. And they lost their self-confidence. Because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. In other, in other words, the surrounding nations all took note that God had done something significant here. In other words, God was glorified. As a result of this group of individuals working together to accomplish God's vision. That's what will happen in our lives when we finish strong. When we complete, when our world sees us completing in our lives really what it means to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Whether that's in our marriage, whether that's in our finances, whether that's in a, in, as, a, as a young person, a middle-aged person, an older adult, in whatever area of life, when our world who is watching us sees God work through us and sees us take the, the difficulties of life and still finish strong, what happens is the same thing that happens here. God gets glory. Because the reality is that people are watching our lives. And we bring glory to God 
by the way we live our lives. Let's look at chapter 4. That's really going to be the place where we find help this morning, understanding how we can finish strong. So I want you to think about what situation in your life. Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe it's a relationship problem with somebody. Maybe it's your marriage, whatever it is. Maybe it's your Christian walk. Maybe it's some ministry you're serving in and you're kind of struggling. What area of your life, as you think about it and apply this, what area of your life do you need help to finish strong? You think about that as we read, read this passage. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria said, what are these feeble, those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from the heaps of rubble burned as they are? And then Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side said, what are they building? Even if a fox climbed on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Now, he's, you know, he's, he's witty, isn't he? Uh, even if a fox would uh, crawl on it, it would uh, fall down. So they're, they're mocking, they're ridiculing uh, these people, this, Nehemiah and his, and his associates as they're working on this wall. Hear us, O God, was their response. For we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Verse 6, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the, prayer, the, the repairs to the J Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they, became, they were very angry and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble against it. And notice their response. But we prayed to our God. And posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. There's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them. And we will kill them and put an end to their work. And then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember, the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each one, each to his own work. As we look at this passage, there are several secrets, I think, that we can find that help us in our lives as we think about and process how, God, can we finish what you began in our lives strong. The first thing, notice, was that they depended on prayer. We go back and we, read, we start in chapter 1. We see over and over that Nehemiah and those that were following him depended on prayer. When Nehemiah first got the word that this, of, of what was going on in Jerusalem, that the city was in ruins and the people were in disgrace, at that point he kneels down and for four months prays and fasts and says, God, what do you want me to do? How could I be involved? God, would you please do something here? For four months he prays. 
when he then, God does tap him on the shoulder. He realizes that he needs to be the one to go into and to talk to the king and see about going back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. When, before he goes into the king, we see he prays. When he's just about to talk to the king again, he prays. And at different points, when the opposition becomes to, begins to get stronger, again, Nehemiah and those that were with him paused to pray. We see it in this chapter. Look at verse 4. When they, you know, they've been, they've been making fun of them, and then what does it say? Hear us, O God. They're talking to God. Look at verse 9 again. But we prayed to our God in the face of people that were literally getting ready to attack them physically. They were going to attack the city. They were massing the troops, getting ready to attack and literally kill and destroy them. What does it say that they did? But we prayed to our God. They depended on prayer. And prayer must be part of our secret to finishing strong. It must be our secret in the face of opposition. It must be our secret when our hope is wavering. It must be our secret when our strength is all but gone. Again, whether it's in a marriage or whether it's in some other relationship or whether it's uh, in, in, in being, uh, walking uh, as a follower of Christ in a, in a difficult workplace or in some ministry that we're serving in, whatever area... We must depend on prayer if we're going to finish strong. We must, must, must depend on prayer. It's been said that prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. Prayer. The slender nerve that moves God's omnipotent all-powerful muscles. We must, if we're going to finish strong, depend on prayer. Secondly, look, notice verse 6. In verse 6, it says that, that we rebuilt the wall until it reached half of its height, for the people worked, notice, with all their heart. They're half done, and notice their attitude as they worked. Working with all their heart. They believed in what they were doing. They, they had a vision of what God was doing through them. There's a lot of op, uh, opposition. There's distractions all around them that could have kept them from finishing. But it's apparent as we read this story that they believed in the vision that God had given them. This vision of not a city that's decimated, not a city that's destroyed, but a vision of what it could be if these walls are rebuilt. What would happen in Jerusalem? As God's people gather back as his people, what could be? That was the vision. And notice they were working with all their heart. They're half done and they are excited about the work. They're excited about the vision. It's been God's vision of what could be, of this, this wonderful foreseeable future that keeps them going. And again, as we think about what are the secrets, this, one of the secrets is, as we see here, that we must keep faith in God's vision. Even during the times when there's opposition, even during the time when there's times when there's difficulty, they got a glimpse that they had bought into of this city that was going to be rebuilt. So, what's God's vision for you? Again, to we've thrown out a couple of examples, kind of threading through the whole thing. And think about your marriage, and those of you who are struggling with that. What's God's vision for your marriage? Do you believe? Do you have faith in God's vision for your marriage? You must retain that vision. What's God's vision for us? Do you believe in God's vision for First Church?
Now, we don't know exactly, and we're figuring that out together, and it's going to be fun as we think about what God's vision very specifically is for us. But generally, we do know what his vision for us is. Jesus Christ left this earth, and he said to us, go into this world and make disciples. That is his vision, a a vision that we see in Acts 2 when the church in a dynamic way begins to interact and love each other and, and come together. What we see, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That's God's vision. Do you believe in God's vision for his church? We must keep faith in God's vision. Vision for this church to be a catalyst for radical life change in this community and in parts of our world that God has prompted us to be intricately involved in. The next thing we notice, again, look at verse 6. A couple key words. Notice that it says, so we, key word, rebuilt the wall. And then going on in that passage, it says, for the people worked with all their heart couple key words there. We worked together. The people worked on the wall. It wasn't Nehemiah, this leader, and a couple of his cronies that was doing all the work. Notice it was the people, everybody together. And it's something that we've talked about over the last six weeks over and over and over again. I know, you know, probably the point of ad nauseum, the realization that we are doing this together. God's vision for us is something that can only be accomplished as a group project. Nehemiah worked, and we see in this passage, an awesome team working together. Notice verse 13. As they faced opposition, intense pressure and opposition, in the face of that, and what does Nehemiah do? It says that he divides them up so that they can work together to protect each other. In subsequent verses, we see them dividing up, and he tells them, if the enemy attacks, we're going to sound the alarm, and wherever you hear the alarm, all of us are going to rally to that point, and we're going to help out who's ever there getting attacked. In other words, we're going to work together. Somebody has a need, we're going to go there. And that's the way it must be with us. We must work together as a team. It's a secret if we're going to finish strong. This is not a solo project. We can't do it on our own. We need God's help. We need each other's help in life. Again, in this fourth chapter, we see their success was dependent on the people working together, watching each other's back, protecting each other. And so we must practice teamwork. It's a secret as we try to finish strong, we must practice teamwork. God didn't call us to go through this life alone. We, uh, we have each other. We have this great church. And so if you have marital struggles, there are places that you can get help. We have a relationship with a counseling center here in town. You can get help. We have a, a marriage class that meets on Wednesday evenings. You can get help. We have, we have pastors. We have, you have, there's people that you can talk to, people that, that have marriages that that are great models for you that you can go to. There is help. You have whatever need. You're a young person. You have a need. You're trying to walk as a Christian in your high school or in your middle school. We've got staff to help you. We've got great leaders to help you. You can help each other. We must work together and help each other as a team. We must allow people into our lives. Are you struggling in some area? Is there some temptation? We need to hold each other accountable and help each other out. 
And only as we work together as a team will we see the miraculous done in our lives and in the lives of a great church. The next thing that we look at as we look at this situation that we find ourselves or they find themselves in in chapter 4 is that as they're working, trying to get this wall finished, there's a number of distractions that happened. In the first verses, as we talked about, they're mocking and making fun of the work that's going on. Uh, and we all have people in our lives that are great at mocking us, making fun of us, uh, you know, saying stuff uh, to us. I'm in a fantasy football league, uh, and there is some, you know, trash talking that goes on uh, in that fantasy football league. Everybody wants the other person to fail. That's just kind of the way it is, you know, in that, uh, in that fun kind of fantasy football league kind of thing. And you're out in the hall, and you're, you know, you're trash talking. But that happens in life, doesn't it? People distractions that keep us, people that want us and seems like that want us to fail. It's easy to get distracted by people's words, people that don't believe in us, people that, that think it, we can't do it, or whatever it is. It's easy to get discouraged by people's words, even sometimes when what's being said is totally not true. And what we see is we look at what they were saying to them. It was totally not true. Look at verse 7. When the trash talking reaches its zenith and they see that that doesn't work, when the verbal assaults don't work, they try a different tactic. It says that they got very angry and then they start to plot together and fight against each other, to, to fight against them as they worked. And this, verse 8 describes, as they're, they're planning to fight and stir up trouble against them. And so as the opposition intensifies... We see this varied, these varied distractions begin to wear them down. There's a, a story I was reading this week of Master Sergeant Patrick Hathaway's. Uh, he was a squad leader, and he was going to try to break the, the base push-up record. 424 push-ups. That's a lot of push-ups. 424 push-ups was the base push-up record. Uh, and so he's going to try to break it. So the physical trainer for the base is there. There's all these people that were there. And they're standing over him. And he starts and he, he pumps out the first hundred. You know, he's, he kind of gets into a rhythm. And then from, you know, just he kind of settles into it. And everybody that's gathered are just sure that he's going to make it. Going to break this, going to break this record. At, then the base record was 424 push-ups. At 390 push-ups... Uh, as he's doing his push-up, you see him, he's shaking his head. And he does another couple push-ups, and he's shaking his head again. Uh, he gets to 402 push-ups. He pauses, shake, shakes his head, coughs a couple of times, and then collapses. And as this guy was reading the story, as he writes, as he was walking back to the barracks, the instructor that was there, the physical instructor that was there, cracked a rare smile, he writes, and says this. You got to give the guy credit. If he'd just been able to shake that wasp from his face instead of inhaling it, he would have broken the record for sure. <laughs> Distractions can get us down can keep us from finishing strong. And that's what we see in this passage. When they were, they, all of these distractions, and then in verse 10, and they're starting to wear them down. In verse 10, look at what they begin to say about themselves. And remember the verse just a couple before. They were talking about that they worked, they were working with their, all their heart, and they were excited about the work. And here in verse 10 it says, 
The strength of the laborers. They're talking about themselves. The strength of the laborers is giving out. Some of you sitting here today in the situation that you find you need some help. You feel that way. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can survive it. I don't know if I can keep going. And we see, that's what they were saying about themselves. The distractions were getting to them. The mocking, the physical threats. And then look at what happens in the second part of verse 10. This is what they said. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. So here they were, working with tremendous enthusiasm. And yeah, there were distractions. And yeah, people were, were, were attacking them. And yeah, they had all this stuff from the outside. But notice what begins to happen. They begin to buy in to the stuff. Maybe we can't do it. Maybe I can't do it. Maybe, we, maybe this is never going to work. Maybe, 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 maybe. And so notice that the next distraction didn't come from the outside like everything else. The next distraction comes from within. Man, look at this rubble. I'm getting, you know, I'm, I am so tired of building this wall. I don't think that we can do it. How can we work? There's no way we cannot rebuild the wall was then the assessment that they came to. Imagine what that city would have looked like. This ancient, this massive ancient city that's gathered there, that's, that's there. And, and all around the city, because it had been decimated by war generations previously, the, the walls had been torn down, these huge massive walls destroyed, the homes had been destroyed, the, the temple had been destroyed, the gates had been burned and torn down. And so imagine this, this ancient walled city, the, the, the rubble would have been everywhere. Literally, they were, they were having to move rubble out of the way to build these walls and using the rubble itself to rebuild the wall. And so with that said, they're half done. It's got to be better now than when they started, but now because of all of the distractions and all of the stuff, only now do they begin to say, hey, you know what? We can't do this. We can't do it. But the next secret to finishing strong is that we must learn to handle the distractions. And that's what we see. That despite that, look at verse 13 and 14, that Nehemiah helps them then begin to handle the distractions. He identifies the weak points and he, he says, okay, I'm going to send some of you here and some of you there and these places that are, that are, that are weak, we're going to build up. And he begins to tell them what they're going to do and you're going to take your, your sword and your shield and your bow, you're going to do this and when, and when we have a problem, here's what's going to happen. And so what we have here during this intense time in, this, in these verses is we see them working together, handling the distractions and getting past that, that hump point and getting beyond that. Look at verse 14. Listen to what Nehemiah says. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. In essence, what Nehemiah was saying to them was, hey guys, you need to trust God. Our God is a great, awesome God. And, you know, that may be, seem pretty simple, but that's some great advice when we're in the middle of a difficult situation, 
when we're at that point, like Nehemiah and his contemporaries, when we, we're half done with this project, we're half done with this wall, we're 20 years into a marriage, we're, we're 14, 15 years into raising our kids, and we hit that wall. And we think, I don't know if I can finish. What wonderful advice. What a wonderful secret in that moment to be reminded, trust God. The God that we serve, what does he say? Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Think about the Lord. Remember, he is what? He is great. He is what? He is awesome. Great and awesome. That's who our God is. And so as you are in the middle, one of the great secrets again is trust God. Don't be afraid was Nehemiah's encouragement. Psalm chapter 40, verse 4 says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all your anxiety on him and he will what? Or because what? Because he cares for you. And so are you struggling to finish? Is there a lot of rubble in the way? Is there a lot of baggage in whatever situation that you're going through? Whether it's some issue at work or some issue at home or some ministry-related issue that you don't know if you can finish. You're getting tired. Trust God. He is great. He is awesome. He will help you finish strong. Are you struggling? What about our church? Do you look around our church? And where someone who's, you know, in that, in, you know, kind of living in, uh, what, what verse is it where they're talking about, and they worked with all their strength, and they're talking about how uh, they worked with all their heart in verse 6. You're a verse 6 person. You're working on the wall, and you're thinking, oh, man, this is exciting. Yeah, I catch the vision. But then there's also some of us that even when we're, we're, verse, we're living in verse 6, but there comes a time in all of our lives as followers of Christ, that we seem to kind of gravitate over to that other verse where it says, in verse 10 I think it is, we can't do it. And so where are you this morning? And if you're in verse 10 and you're looking around and you see a lot of rubble here at First Church and you're thinking, oh, that needs to be taken care of and oh, why don't they do that? And oh, we got this problem and oh, we got that problem. Remember, God is in charge. Christ is head of the church. We have a great and awesome God, and we are only half done, and we together can finish strong together. There's a story that Larry Crabb tells in a book called Pressure, uh, Pressure Off. Psychologist Larry Crabb. And he tells a story of the time when he was a three-year-old little boy. And he had uh, got to a point where he really wanted to feel big and be independent. And so he goes into the bathroom. He's going you know, to use the restroom on his own. Doesn't need anybody's help. And so he goes into the bathroom and he locks the door behind him. Uses the restroom, feeling all independent and all great. And he goes to, to leave the bathroom and he can't get the door unlocked. And so he pulls and he tugs and he tries and he can't get the door unlocked. And so he starts, he goes crazy. He's thinking, I'm going to have to spend my whole life. Here is a three-year-old. I'm going to spend my whole life in the bathroom, you know. 
in his whole little three-year-old little world. And so he starts yelling and screaming for his mom and dad. And they come running. And his, his mom, uh, what's wrong? And have you fallen? Did you hit your head? Is something wrong? Open this door. And he says, I can't open the door. I locked it. I can't open the door. I don't know how. And she's trying to help him. And he doesn't know how to do it. And so he just cowers over in the corner. And he's crying. And he's screaming. And his dad runs down the stairs, goes outside, goes in the, into the garage, grabs the ladder off the hook, goes to the side of the house, props the ladder up on the side of the house, climbs up, gets, puts the ladder just below the window, pushes with all his strength the window up, climbs through that little window into the bathroom, walks past his son cowering over in the corner, unlocks the door. The little boy, Larry Crabb, jumps up, he says, runs out to play. <laughs> and he says, for most of my life, I thought that's the way God was. That when I got into a difficult situation, that I would just cry out to him and God would climb into my little dark room and he should open up the door and let me out into that land of blessing. The land that I wanted to be in. And he said, I realized at one point in my life that, that that's not the way God is. That God doesn't always come and just open up the door. But more often than not, what God does for us is he climbs in our little dark room and instead of walking past us to open up the door to get us through that difficult situation and to, to fix that difficult situation, what he does instead is he sits down beside us in that dark room and he says to us, come and let me hold you in the darkness. And so this morning, one of the secrets to finishing strong is to realize that our God may not be kicking the door into your situation totally fixing it. Maybe it's a physical issue and, and you just want God. God, heal me or do this or do that or it's your marriage and why, why haven't you fixed it or my, raising my kids, why do they still rebel or on and on and on, whatever your list is. And maybe God is not going to kick that door in right away. But what God is doing right now for you is he's sitting beside you in that dark place saying, come to me. The last thing that I would throw out to you. Look at verse 15. In verse 15, he says, And when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. And so here they were working on the wall. Their God was at work as well. Is that not awesome? We all returned, realizing that God had frustrated these enemies, these distractions, that God was at work. And so as they put their trust in him, as they followed with this vision that he had given them, in obedience, he is working for them. When the enemies heard that God had frustrated their plots and that he was with them, they kind of gave up. And we see that Nehemiah and his followers go back and continue to work. And when we follow God in obedience, as we strive faithfully to finish strong in the midst of the distractions of life, the thing that we can take to the bank is that our God is at work right beside us. And let me give you a little reality check 
right in the middle of this message that we find here. And that is this. Sometimes it's only later that we realize that God's hand has been with us. And so when we're going through the difficulties and the distractions are all around us and the wall is half built and we don't know if we're going to be able to finish, but we do finish, there's how many of you could, t- could talk to us as a group today? And you could share story after story of times that you didn't see God at work, you didn't realize he was there beside you, but looking back, you could see that God was there. You've experienced that, haven't you? And that's what we see that they were experiencing. They didn't, they didn't see God when the wall was half built and all the enemies were around them. They didn't realize they, they couldn't see him or feel him or touch him. But now they realize that it was God that frustrated our enemies and that his hand has been with us. What we must do is the same thing that their response was. And it, it, the scripture says that we all return to the wall, each to his own work. And so the final thing I would say is that we must Keep working. If we're going to finish strong, keep working despite the distractions. And so when things get difficult in our marriage, keep working despite the distractions. When things get difficult as a parent, keep working despite the distractions. When, pe- when things get difficult as a young person, as a teenager, as a college person, and you're getting tempted from every side and there's all kinds of distractions to finish strong, keep working despite the distractions. And let me throw out a final reality check, and that's this. That opposition and distraction are natural parts of life. And friend, if you don't have any distractions in your life, when you're trying, whatever area, if, you don't, if, you, if, you're, if you're just skating through life and nothing's really going on and you don't feel any opposition, then you might need to reevaluate because there's an enemy that we call Satan that he doesn't have your number. And if he doesn't have your number, you might not be agitating him like we all need to be agitating him. Amen? The Lord says this in 1 Peter. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial that you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. In other words, we all go through difficulties. We all endure trials as followers of Jesus Christ. Let me just conclude with a little story. In 1968, it was October 20th, 7 p.m., October October 20th, 7 p.m., 1968, the Mexico City Olympics. Olympics were in the Mexico City, the Summer Olympics. The uh, marathon had completed about an hour, not completed, but the, the, the race had been won by an Ethiopian about an hour prior to 7 o'clock. As it's starting to darken, all of the, basically the racers are all finished and they're uh, kind of getting their gear and, and being treated and attended to and people have filed out for the most part of this huge Olympic stadium. Just a few thousand people are left in the stands as, this, as darkness falls and this race has, in their mind, concluded. And then they hear horns honking And they look over and whistles going over to the gate where the runners had been coming in at the end of this marathon. This was the the last part where they ran a final lap of this in in this marathon in this crowded stadium. As they were, only a few thousand now were left in the stands. As as they heard this, all the attention is then put on on this gate where the runners had been coming in. And here is a single figure hobbling through that gate wearing the colors of the nation of Tanzania, 
John Stephen Akwari comes limping into the stadium. His leg, knee is bandaged and bloody. His right leg, as he comes hobbling, obviously in pain with every step as he takes it. And as word begins to spread through the crowd, as, as word had gotten there about what had happened, he had taken a horrific fall early in the race. They had attended to him, had bandaged him up, and he refused to quit. And he kept running or limping uh, through to the end of this race. And so as he is making this final lap, just a few thousand people, everybody stands to their feet and begins to cheer him like he is the winner of the race. And so as he's going around the outside of, of this, of this, at the end of this race, coming toward the finish line, the people are standing, they're going wild for this last runner, John Stephen. And so then they finally, he finally finishes the race and someone asked him the question that everybody was wondering, why, being badly injured, all bandaged up, why didn't you just quit? And this is his words. A quarry with quiet dignity said this, my country didn't send me 7,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 7,000 miles to finish the race. And I would encourage you, whether it's your marriage, whether it's some ministry, whether it's as a parent, whether it's a young person, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the key is not starting the race. The key is finishing the race. Paul says in his final days, as he languishes in a prison cell, in 2 Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Will you be able to say with Paul those same words? We must finish the race strong. It's God's vision for us, both as individuals and as a church. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this final bit of encouragement that we find from this passage in Nehemiah this morning. Father, the realization as we look at their lives that, God, your desire is for us to finish the race strong. And Father, today as we conclude our time in Nehemiah, I pray that you would help us to continue to run the race with perseverance. Father, help us to take the secrets that we find here of, of the, our dependence on prayer and working as a team and working despite the distractions and continue to press on and, and, and God trusting you in the midst of our difficulties. God, I pray for people today in this place that are struggling to finish what has been started. And I pray, Father, in the name of Christ, as we conclude with a final song, that you would visit us in this place today. Encourage us. Help us to trust you to finish. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. As we sing a final song, these altars are open. If you'd like to come, if you're running the race, but you're stumbling, you're falling, you see distractions, you see rubble all around you and baggage, if you need help today, won't you come? Someone would love to pray with you. We would love to pray with you if you have a need today as we sing.